Amen. Again, good morning to you all. It's good to be with you this morning as we continue in this series, uh, like I mentioned at the beginning of the service, entitled Chasing the Wind. We're looking at a handful of uh, the sections of the book of Ecclesiastes, which maybe is a book you've never read in your life. Maybe you've never heard of it until this series, uh, but it was written by uh, Solomon, who was a king of Israel, son of David. Uh, he was considered to be the, the wisest person to ever live. Uh, he actually was given that, that question from God of, hey, whatever you want, I will give you, Solomon. And Solomon said, I would like wisdom. And, and so he was considered the wisest person to ever live. And, and he wrote uh, a number of books in the Old Testament, but Ecclesiastes was one of them. And he wrote it at the end of his life, most likely, kind of reflecting upon everything he had learned. And, and you kind of imagine he's sitting with like his grandkids or great-grandkids and kind of like sitting on the porch and being like, all right, let me, let me share with you my greatest wisdom of my life. And, and the big takeaway he was sharing with them and in the book is, um, all is vanity. All is, is like chasing the wind where you see it one minute and it's gone the next you try and grab hold of it and make sense of it, but it just seems to go right through your fingers. And, and he kind of is saying, this is the, the thing you need to know about life, is it doesn't make sense. <laughs> and you think you have it figured out, and then you figure out you don't. And it's like chasing the wind. It's all vanity. And so over the past handful of weeks, he's been looking at a number of things in our life. The past, He's been looking at the things that we can look to for meaning and comfort and purpose, and, and he kind of is looking at them one by one and being like, if you base your life on this thing, um, you're going to be disappointed. It's vanity. It's like chasing the wind. And today he looks at the pursuits of wisdom, which, as I mentioned, he is considered to be the wisest person to ever live, so he kind of knows something about wisdom and, and getting it and knowing it, and, and he shares with us about wisdom in Ecclesiastes chapter 2. Something I'm willing to bet about you, um, if you're like most people, we want wisdom. I imagine many of us in this room want to grow in wisdom. You may have never said it that way, but I think you, you want it. Uh, there's a reason why so many people uh, listen to podcast upon podcast uh, as they're driving or as they're doing chores, and they're taking in all of these voices of these experts hour upon hour. Uh, there's a reason why when you go to the bookstore, there's all of these books from experts and from people who've, who've been through experiences and sharing things, and you go and you buy the books to put on your maybe physical bookshelf, or if you're like many people nowadays, you get it on your Kindle or your electronic bookshelf, so to speak, and you gather the books, and you learn, and you listen, or, or you go and seek out gurus or, or people who've been through stuff and who are experts in their field, whatever it may be, and you sit at their feet and you listen to them and you learn from them and you take it in. Or, or you go and you look up on social media or somewhere online like the newest life hacks of like how do I be more productive? How do I uh, optimize my time and how do I get those life hacks so to speak? And we take all of this in and all of those things are getting wisdom. The root of all of those things, the desire for all of those things is we want wisdom. We want to know more. We want to, we want to be aware. We want to grow in our ability. We want to not be caught off guard by anything that may come up in our lives. We want to be prepared. We want to learn and grow. We want wisdom. And we pursue it. Like, there's a reason we make kids go to school, right? 
We want them to grow in wisdom. We want them to know things, because if they don't know things, and then you send them out into the world when they hit 18, um, you're like, oh shoot, they are ill-prepared for the world that is about to hit them. And so we grow in wisdom. We do all of these things to not be caught off guard, and we can center our lives around this pursuit. If I just know enough, if I grow enough in my ability to know and be prepared, then I will be okay. And Solomon takes a look at this. He looks at this just like he's done and and a number of other things in the book of Ecclesiastes and says, if you center your life around this pursuit of of knowing things, of of being wise, of being prepared, of, of kind of being aware, where will this end up? That's what Solomon does. And I want you to listen to what he says. Uh, Verses 12 through 14 from Ecclesiastes chapter 2. He begins like this. He says, So I turn to consider wisdom and madness and folly. For what can the man do who comes after the king? Only what has already been done. He's basically saying, I'm the king, and if anybody comes after me, they're just going to do what I'm doing. So I'm going to try everything and, and, and learn from all the experts, from all the, the, the gurus. I'm going to learn everything I can. And he said this in verse 13. Then I saw that there is more gain in wisdom than in folly or foolishness, as there is more gain in light than in darkness. The wise person is like one who has eyes in their head, but the fool walks in darkness. So just looking at these verses, off of what I just read, is it better to be wise or foolish in Solomon's opinion? What do you think? How many of you think it's better to be wise in Solomon's opinion? All right. Okay, so some hands. So the rest of you think it's better to be foolish. All right, so we know where you guys stand. All right. No, he's very clearly saying you want to be wise. He uses the analogy of light and darkness, and he uses it pretty vividly of like, the wise person is like if you have eyes in your head, and the fool is like if it's total darkness. <laughs> and I don't know if you've ever been like in the middle of the woods, or you've been out uh, camping, you've been out in the middle of nowhere in the middle of the night, it gets really dark. Like, I'm not talking just like a little dark. I'm talking dark like you can't even see your hand. And try and walk in that with no light. It's terrifying. You hear little twigs snap, and you're like, that's a bear, and I'm about to die. (laughs) It's terrifying when you can't see where you're going. And he uses that image, and he's like, it's better to be wise than to be foolish. So be wise. I I can maybe add uh, three reasons, and some of these come from the scriptures, some of these just come from, I think, our natural human experience. A few reasons why it's better to live or try to pursue living wisely as opposed to foolishly. Uh, Here's a key difference. Fools or living foolishly on the one hand is all about instant gratification, getting what you want in that moment, where living wisely, pursuing wisdom means growing in patience, and growing in discernment of knowing when to be patient and when not to be patient, when to uh, kind of get something. Because you can be too patient, right? Like you could wait too long and the moment has passed for whatever it is, but wisdom is knowing when to be patient and when to act. But fools, living foolishly is, whatever I want in the moment, I will get. I will satisfy that urge, that desire, right in the moment. And I think an example of this is from that um, that, that psychology test, that, that experiment from a number of decades ago that maybe you learned in school. 
about scientists who had young kids, like real little kids, sit in a room and the, 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 the proctor, the person doing the, the test, said to them, here's a marshmallow. And they put a marshmallow right in front of them and said, you could have this marshmallow right now. Or when I leave the room, you wait till I come back and if you leave the marshmallow, if you don't eat it, I'll give you another one. And, and they did this test to see how many of them would, would be patient, would wait when they would leave the room. What do you think the majority of kids chose to do? They chose to eat the marshmallow, right? They chose to eat it, right? They took it in. Uh, and, and that example is one, I think, where, where if you were to take that and kind of apply it to our lives, how often do we know, hey, the wise thing to do is not to act on my impulse, not to do the first thing, not to do the instant gratification thing, but to be patient. But how many of us decide, no, I'm going to do it, I'm going to eat the marshmallow anyway, even though I know if I'm patient, if I, if I pursue wisdom, I'll actually be better off. I'll get more of the thing I enjoy. And, and wisdom is knowing to be patient. Another thing of, of difference between living wisely and foolishly, foolish people choose ignorance. Not just being ignorant of not knowing, but choosing to live in ignorance. There's a common phrase, perhaps you know it. Ignorance is, bless you, you guys know it, some of you do. Yeah, and it's this idea which the positive side of it is this, don't dwell on the things you have no control over. Like, if you go, or if you, like, have a symptom in your body, and you're like, I'm just going to Google it. Oftentimes, that actually has a really bad effect on you, right? (laughs) If you just Google, let me type in my symptoms to WebMD, ah, I will be dying in five minutes. Okay, all right, thank you, WebMD. Uh, So the, the positive side of that idea is this, like, Don't dwell on things that you have no control over in the moment. However, to live foolishly is to say, I'm going to choose to not learn. I'm going to choose to be ignorant. An example of this is, my car light comes on in my car. I'm just going to ride it out. I don't really want to investigate. Because if I don't know what the problem is, It'll just work itself out. I may or may not have done this a few times in my life, and maybe you have too. That is choosing ignorance. I'm not going to investigate. I'm not going to learn. I'm not going to be aware of maybe some things to address. And, And that would be living foolishly. Because we do need to investigate. Living wisely is, is having an awareness that I need to investigate, to choose not to remain ignorant. So like if you have symptoms, to bring back the the medical thing, if you have symptoms of something, don't just type it into Google, but like go to the doctor, right? Like go to the medical professional who knows things, who has been through the training, and and who can help you discern what to do. So you still pursue it, but but you do it wisely. Uh, But lastly, difference between living foolishly and wisely is this. Um, Fools have a fixed mindset. 
and wise people have a growth mindset. Maybe you've never heard those terms before. Mark Twain, I think, has a quote that describes a fixed mindset really well, or at least the effects effects of it. Mark Twain, the great American author, says this, it ain't what you don't know that gets you into trouble. It's what you know for sure that just ain't so. And that, I think, is a very accurate description of a fixed mindset, which is this. I know everything I need to. I don't need to learn anymore. I'm right, and there's no possibility that I'm wrong. That is living foolishly. A growth mindset says, I might be wrong about this, and I'm open to new information. I'm open to learn. I'm open to admitting I've been wrong or I've been misguided, and I can adjust course, and I can grow. I'm not fixed, but I can grow. That would be living wisely. Now, again, if you just look at those three things and you just compare, like Solomon says, it's better to live wisely. It's better to live a life pursuing wisdom, being open, being patient, being discerning, not acting in the moment. It is better for you to do that. Now, you may hear all of this and be like, great, Pastor Andy, that's great life advice. Thank you. End of sermon. Uh, Not quite, because Solomon takes a turn that if you've been reading Ecclesiastes, you kind of expect, and you're like, okay, the other shoe's going to drop any minute now, and, and here it is picking up in verse 14, reflecting upon wisdom being better than foolishness, Solomon then says this. His conclusion then is this. And yet I perceive that the same event happens to all of them, the wise and the fools. Then I said in my heart, what happens to the fool will also happen to me. Why then have I been so very wise? Why have I spent all this time and energy to learn and grow and become wise and take in new information and be patient? Why have I done all of that? And I said in my heart that this is also vanity. It's chasing the wind. It's meaningless. It it's, doesn't make sense. For of the wise as of the fool, there is no enduring remembrance, seeing that in the days to come all will have been long forgotten how the wise dies just like the fool. I hear those words, and I don't know what comes to your mind first. What comes to my my mind first as I hear those words of of Solomon is um, me and fantasy football. Which, some of you are like, what are you talking about? Uh, Some of you are right with me. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Fantasy football, for the uninitiated, fantasy football is what what grown people do, by and large grown men, um, who are still, we're living our dreams of owning a a sports team. I mean, that's really what it is. We want to pick football players, and we want them on our team, and we want to score the most points on any given Sunday. So, uh, I'll be pulling for my fantasy team this Sunday. And we get way too emotionally invested. We spend way too much time. And we research. Oh, we research. We read. We do scouting reports. Like, we spend a significant amount of time learning about these grown men playing a sport that has virtually no impact on our everyday life. And you do all of this. 
You learn and you learn and you're like, I know exactly what this team is going to do. I know how this is going to go. And then the season starts. You draft your team and you're like, I got this. I'm amazing. I know all this stuff. And then you draft the team and guess what happens? By week two, your star player is out for the season. Your number one pick is a bum. And they're not doing the things you thought they would do. And you're like, why did I do all this research? Why did I spend all the hours on something that I had no idea was going to happen? It's all vanity. And I bring that up as a lighthearted example to say that's what Solomon is wrestling with. Not fantasy football, but he's looking at his life and realizing no matter how much I know, no matter how much I grow, no matter how much wisdom I accumulate, I still end up at the same place that that idiot next door does. I still end up six feet under. I still end up in the same exact spot. And he reflects and says, it doesn't make sense. It's meaningless. It's vanity. Why did I even do all of this to grow in wisdom? And maybe that's some people's reaction to, to kind of thinking about living wisely. Like, hey, if we're going to end up in the same spot, why even bother? Let me just live ignorantly. Let me just live in the moment. Let me just live this blissful existence. See, death is something we don't like to think about, don't like to talk about, but it's always there. It's always lurking in the background. And some of us, it's in the, like, foreground. We've been, we've been experiencing that in, in the recent past, maybe with a loved one or a friend or, or thinking about it. Something happens that causes us to, to realize our own mortality. And, and Solomon is thinking, I, I can't defeat that. No matter how much I know, I can't defeat that. And he's, he's showing us, if you think that you growing in knowledge is going to somehow stave off death or, or fix it. He's like, you're, you're a fool. Nothing we can do can defeat death. And death is that enemy in our lives that equalizes everything. Again, chipper thoughts this morning at church. <laughs> But Solomon, he, he doesn't give us the answer. He just leaves us to wrestle with that of like, okay, wisdom seems to be good, but, but in the end it doesn't really matter because it can't defeat death. And so it's like, well, so then what do we do? And, and the book of Ecclesiastes is meant to, a, to expose the problem so that you look for the, the antidote, that you look for the solution in the rest of Scripture. And if you were to turn to the New Testament and you would turn to this guy by the name of Paul who was a church planter and pastor and follower of Jesus, he gives us the answer. He gives us the, the antidote to this seemingly meaningless problem that we can't defeat death. He says this in 1 Corinthians, this, this letter he wrote to a group of Christians. He says this, For since in the wisdom of God... The world did not know God through wisdom. In other words, no amount of knowledge of this world brings you any closer to God. You knowing more about this world does not save you 
does not fix the deepest problem. He says it pleased God through the folly, the foolishness of what we as Christians preach to save those who believe. So he's like, there's something though that does address the problem and it looks crazy. It looks like foolishness. And then he says this, for Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom, but we Christians, we preach Christ crucified a stumbling block to the Jews and folly, foolishness to the Gentiles. But those, to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. I, I want you to get these two things from Paul's words here. First, God is a lot smarter than you and me. Some of you are like, I already knew that, Pastor Andy. Didn't need you to tell me. But, but God's wisdom is so far beyond our comprehension that we think we're wise, we think we know stuff, we've got nothing on him. He knows us better than we know ourselves. And because of that, the second thing Paul wants us to know is God knows our deepest problem isn't knowing stuff. Our deepest problem isn't just getting more knowledge or more information. Our deepest problem needed to be addressed in this crazy, foolish, out-of-this-world way. Jesus Christ laying down his life for us. A man, which on the surface, think about this, a guy who lived 2,000 years ago in the Middle East, who never wrote anything down, who, who never like was famous for, for some achievement or inventing anything, but, but preached about his kingdom, was killed because he said he was God. Paul says that is how we're saved. That is what defeats our greatest enemy, death. Is through Christ and him crucified for you, seeking you out because he is the true wisdom of God, but it gets even better. He continues in the same letter at the back end in chapter 15. He reflects upon the fact that Jesus didn't just die for us, but he rose for us. He rose from the dead on that Easter Sunday. And because of that, Paul says this, death now is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. Therefore, be steadfast, movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Uh, These are some of my most favorite Bible passages. Because here's what it means. Our greatest enemy has been defeated. The enemy that lurks in all of our lives, death. Death has died not because you and I know stuff, not because we grew and we fixed it. No, because Jesus Christ entered in and subjected himself to it, but then conquered it and kicked death's butt by rising again from the dead. 
And so if you've been a part of Christian churches, one of the things we do on Easter Sunday is we say this, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. He is risen. He has defeated our enemy. And so you want to know what the wisest thing we can do is? It's not learning more stuff. It's putting our faith in the one who has defeated death. It's trusting in the one who is stronger than the thing that none of us can fix and saying, I'm going to believe in him. I'm going to trust in him. And that's what we're invited to do. To know it's not anything in our, our own lives that save us, that fix the deepest problem, but Christ has done it and he invites you to trust him And that, that is the wisest thing you and I could do. But I want you to remember this, though. For Christians, we do not neglect wisdom and living wisely in this world. No, like Paul says, it's actually not in vain. It's not meaningless. Solomon was only half true. He didn't have the rest of the picture. So we now can look at our lives, you can look at your lives, and you can say, I will pursue wisdom. I will live wisely, not just because it's, it's good for me, but because it's good for other people. We grow in our wisdom not to save ourselves, but to meet the needs of our neighbor. to to serve and to love others. Because we know that's the purpose of wisdom, is to love and serve others, but we know it has its limits. It can't save us. It can't defeat our greatest enemy. But the good news is, we have Jesus Christ, the wisdom of God, who has done that. May you put your faith and trust in him. And know that, that the The wisdom of this world pales in comparison to the wisdom of Jesus Christ for you. Amen.